places of honor, he told them a parable. When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit down at the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host. And the host who invited both of you may come and say to you, give this person your place, and then in disgrace you would start to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down at the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher, then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. He said also to the one who had invited him, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors in case they may invite you in return and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, Invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. <clears throat> After I dropped my six-year-old off at first grade, my next move is immediately to push on on my radio. And in the mornings, it's always tuned in to my favorite news source, NPR. And often I'll be dropping her off um, and then going on to work at the moment that Joshua Johnson is on, on 1A. And so I can either catch the middle of what he's talking about or sometimes the very end, like I did on Monday or Tuesday of this week. And I have no idea who he was interviewing or about what. But at the very end of the interview, he said, okay, now it's for the important question. Popeyes? or Chick-fil-A? <laughs> Who's got the best chicken sandwich? And I got online immediately and realized that this is an ongoing social media controversy about who's got the best chicken sandwich. And I also realized that I can't weigh in on that conversation because while I go to Chick-fil-A all the time, because I have a three-year-old and a six-year-old, I don't think I've ever been to Popeye's. Actually, somebody at the early service assured me that that was because there's only three of them in the Birmingham area. But then I said, but actually, the problem is that one of those three is not a tenth of a mile away from where I work, which is on 41st Street in Avondale. But I work at 41st Street South in Avondale, and to get to Popeye's, 
you have to walk or drive across the railroad tracks to the north side of 41st Street to get to that one that you pass on the way to airport. And I've never done it. A tenth of a mile away. And I started realizing how this conversation about chicken and Chick-fil-A versus Popeyes, I mean, like maybe it's kind of a meant to be nationally a northern versus southern thing, but there's some racial undertones to it. In my context, there's some economic undertones to it, because to get to Popeyes, I'd have to go right across the street to where the subsidized housing projects are, across the tracks, to the wrong side of 41st Street. And I was struck by the memory of an article that I read in Business Insider, I believe it was in February, um, an article titled, The Dark Side of the Fast Food Industry. And she was talking specifically about a chain of um, charity-based restaurants called Panera Cares. They opened, oh, seven or eight of these across the country. It's the same food as Panera Bread all the soups and salads and sandwiches and that kind of thing. But they tried a social experiment, a social enterprise, where they had these certain locations where you could go and pay whatever you could, whether that was $20 for a sandwich or whether that was nothing. Saying, can we get people from different races and socioeconomic backgrounds and neighborhoods to all come together to one restaurant? And this article was written in February 2019, I believe, because the answer to that question, can we gather all these diverse groups of people, was no. We cannot. And that's the dark side of the fast food industry because as Martin Luther King Jr. famously said, Sunday morning at 10 or 11 a.m. is the most segregated time in American life. It turns out that fast food restaurants, Chick-fil-A, Popeyes, are some of the most segregated locations in American life. I have a few ideas about why that might be, and you probably have some other ideas. I found running a church that has also served as a coffee shop and as a food ministry that there's a little bit of an ick factor with sharing food and a table with people who are different than we are. In Panera Cares, there was a lot of concern. Are there people doing drugs in the bathroom? Are the employees washing our dishes? Are their hands always washed? Are they sanitized? Gosh, it looks like there's somebody over in the corner who might be homeless. Do they have a cold or the flu that they might accidentally cough on me? and we might share each other's germs. Food's just, it, it, there's a unifying factor about it. We'll talk about that probably a little more around Thanksgiving and Christmas. And there's a divisive factor about food. We like to eat and share table with the people that are most like us. And there's a little bit of a, hmm, an unease about being with the people who are different. Just as uh, Jesus is saying in this gospel lesson, when you give a banquet, don't invite your friends and your brothers and your relatives all the time. Make sure that you're also inviting the poor and the crippled and the blind and those who cannot repay you. 
And then Jesus is also famous for not only inviting the poor and the blind to eat with him, but also going out and eating with tax collectors and sinners and lepers, people who are very different from the 12 disciples who are around him all the time, people for whom the 12 disciples are saying, ick, too, because they're a little bit different, or sometimes a lot different. I found that the good news of God in Jesus Christ has done some really amazing things for solving this table fellowship problem, right? As in, um, we open up churches that also serve as coffee shops and places like the community kitchens um, down at Grace Woodlawn and at St. Andrews and, um, and, and the church in the, in the highlands near the, um, near the fountain and five points that serve meals and try to provide for the needy and those who are, are hungry on our streets. And I also find, at least in myself, but probably amongst many other good, well-meaning Christians that sometimes we like lean the equation even farther to the other side, right? Where um, rather than saying, I refuse to eat and serve those who are beneath me, instead what we do is we put that stainless steel serving table in between us and those who we're serving. And we're pretty happy to go downtown and be volunteers and scoop plates and feed the hungry and hand those plates and silverware to those in need over the protective barrier, the protective sneeze guard, right? Or the protective stainless steel table and those utensils. But sometimes less likely to do what Jesus actually did, which was sit down at table with people who are different than us. The people that frequent different fast food restaurant chains so I'm going to tell you a story, and I'm telling you this story because it's Labor Day weekend, and John Burris is off on retreat at Camp McDowell, and he's not here, um, and Children's Sunday School hasn't started yet. You're going to see why in a minute. But I want to tell you a story about something that happens to me at the Abbey that reminds me, actually, even more of this text from Hebrews that we just read in the epistle. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing that, some have entertained angels without knowing it. Whole another take on this idea of table fellowship. Down at the Abbey, we've been serving through the summer a breakfast for anyone, anyone in need, anyone in need because they're hungry and can pay, or anyone in need because they're out on the streets experiencing homelessness for whatever reason and cannot pay. And there was a whole week about a month or two ago when um, all our volunteers were off on vacation and it was the middle of the summer um, and I found myself stuck putting frozen breakfast casseroles in the oven every morning and making that pot of coffee. And it was my luck that there was a man about 40 years old, so a little bit younger, um, who came by every single day that week. His name was Jeff. And he was experiencing homelessness for the very first time, which meant um, he was trying his hardest to express his remaining dignity to me. And that's something I just kind of keep track of and observe about people that are, haven't been homeless before. They, they want to be sure that I know that they have dignity. And the way Jeff was expressing that was for that entire week when I had no volunteers, 
from the church to help out, I never had to wash a single dish because Jeff was constantly washing dishes and um, mopping tables and, and helping serve the meal. And of, you know, of course, on day one, I said, Jeff, you got to wash your hands, man. But he was a step ahead of me. He had a food handler's card and he washed his hands um, and was busily preparing all this. And I could just kind of sit down at my computer and do my day job and answer emails. And then on Friday, like that fifth day, as he's scrambling about, he kind of got to a place where everything was wrapped up. And even though I always eat breakfast before I leave the house, maybe it's a subconscious way of putting some distance between myself and those that the church serves, even though I had already eaten breakfast, Jeff decided that I needed a cup of coffee and a plate of breakfast casserole. And as I was sitting there typing away on my computer, he came up and he plopped two mugs of coffee and two plates of breakfast down on the table and he sat down with me. And even though I was answering emails away, he, started, he just started talking. And sometimes when somebody just plops something down and continues on talking as though I'm not answering emails, I just assume they're kind of talking to themselves. Or maybe talking to God, I'm just bearing witness to it. But I'm really glad that something stopped me. And something, something that he said caught my attention, and I closed the top of my laptop, and I started really paying attention. And Jeff was telling me about another example of table fellowship that he had had at another time in his life, about 20 years ago, when he was 20 years old. He had married a woman who was probably 25, and they had a nine-year-old daughter, his nine-year-old stepdaughter. And she'd been born with uh, cystic fibrosis. And they'd spent years going to the doctor and being in the hospital. I mean, years, years of being in the hospital. And finally, they were at Children's down in Birmingham, and the doctor said, okay, you got a week left. And so Jeff and his wife went to their little girl and said, Honey, you got a week. Would you like to, we want to do this thing here at the hospital where you have doctors and nurses who you know, who you've known for years, who love you, or you want to go do this thing at home? And she said, I'd like to go home and be with my family. And so they took her home, convinced that they had about a week left. And Jeff's love language is food. As you can tell, he would plop that mug of coffee and that plate of breakfast casserole down in front of me that day. His love language is food. And so he said to this little girl when they had taken her home, Honey, is there anything that you would like to eat? Anything that I can make for you? Anything you've never tried before that you would like to try? And she said, yes, in fact, there is something I've never tried before that I would love to try. I'd like to try marijuana. <laughs> and he said, Katie, I couldn't let her smoke it. But you know what I did? I baked it into a huge pan of brownies <laughs> and zucchini bread and anything I thought that this 
tiny 70 pound nine-year-old girl would eat. And he said she ate more in that last nine days of her life than she'd eaten in the last nine months. <laughs> and I was just blown away in that moment and blown away by how narrowly I had missed hearing that story as I was typing away on my laptop on those emails that I needed to respond to and blown away by how true the gospel and the letters of the saints are when they say, don't hesitate to show hospitality to strangers because many have entertained strangers and it's actually been angels and they didn't realize it. And when Jeff gave me permission on the last day that I saw him before he moved into some transitional housing to bless other people with that story, I was just reminded over and over by the blessing and the, the moments in life where sitting at the table with someone who's very different than we are, the moments just, just sparkle because it's actually an angel sitting there with us. And sometimes that's in the giving of hospitality and sometimes, as in this case, it's in the receiving of food and hospitality as Jeff did for me. And so I send you out into this week, this first week of September, with a challenge. For me, that place that I have not yet crossed the tracks to go to is Popeye's Chicken on 41st Street North. There may be another place in mind that you are thinking of in your daily life and work and family that you just hadn't been to or people with whom you have not yet shared a meal or shared some kind of table fellowship um, that, as Jesus said, that you wouldn't ordinarily share a table with. And I challenge you to do whatever it is that you need to do to reach out and buy someone a meal that you wouldn't ordinarily share one with, or maybe even harder, let someone you wouldn't ordinarily share a meal with buy you a cup of coffee or a brownie, or a sandwich, and see what that experience is like. And I think that the promise that we have in the gospel and in the letter to the Hebrews and in Genesis where Abraham entertains angels unaware is that when you and I have faith to reach out and know that that's the commandment of Jesus, that we too may experience one of those sparkling moments. Do not neglect, friends, to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, many have entertained angels without knowing it. Amen.